Welcome to My Fertility Journey, Life Chats with Bianca Bullissian. Hello everyone, welcome back to the show. Today I am sharing with you an amazing fertility warrior, um, Monica Bivas. She is a fertility coach and advocate and a mom of two, and she's also the author of the IVF Planner. We had an amazing chat, me and Monica, and I am so excited to share this because we've been going back and forth with like, when is this episode ready? It's it's going to go out in January. Oh no, it's going to go out in March. Oh no, it's going to go out in July. Oh no. And now it's finally out. So Monica, I am so sorry that this took so long, but here we are. The life of a new mama that is not very good at planning and self-discipline. So our chat does come with a few warnings. We talked about literally everything in this journey. Monica has been through so much and she does not hold back at sharing, which is just, you know, the best quality in a in a guest on a podcast ever and really take advantage of everything that she said. There's lots of little golden nuggets for you guys to take home. Um, Monica did go through a very traumatic loss at um, a full-term pregnancy. That can be very triggering, so be mindful of that as you're listening. She also talked about um, issues with wanting to take her own life. We talked about issues in relationship, how infertility and loss takes a huge toll with that. Um, We talk about lack of communication in relationships. We talk about abortion and vaccines. Like there is everything in this episode. It's definitely very, very valuable information that she shared with us. And she is available for a free online consultation before she takes um, clients permanently so also take advantage of that we have all of her information in the notes and enjoy enjoy this wonderful wonderful conversation hello monica welcome to the show i am so happy to have you here thanks so much for joining me and uh, being open to share your story and your expertise with our listeners Thank you so much, Bianca, for inviting me to your podcast. I really was looking forward to this and finally meeting you, you know, the closest to personal. Yes. (laughs) It was was amazing to get in touch with you. So I'm here, you know, for your audience, for sharing my story. And I am very humble and honored for it. Thank you so much. Yes, you're very welcome. And we're going to start today with um, you sharing a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, a little bit of your background, and how you met your husband. And then we'll just go from there, just diving into the fertility journey. Perfect, perfect, darling. So, okay. So, as you know, my name is Monica Vivas, and for the audience and for your new audience, I am originally from Colombia, the capital, Bogota. I was born there, uh, but I moved here to the States, uh, to the state of New York in uh, March 2003, which is 18 years ago, uh, which is also the time that I am married with my husband. He is from Israel. 
and uh, we have two uh, IBF girls, uh, one is 15, one is seven. He has a daughter that she's gonna turn 20 in July from a previous marriage. And it's funny because I never thought that I'm gonna be married with an Israeli, you know, like <laughs> I, I always like them though. They are so cute and, and handsome because they love to go to Colombia too. They love Colombian ladies. I don't know why, but oh, you see. Oh, interesting. Yes. It was meant to be. Yeah. Yes. The thing is that, you know, he never went to Colombia. We met in match.com. Yeah. you know the online uh, dating um, app and uh, you know we talk about it and we say wow that was really like a lottery you know because the the, the possibility of him I was actually not even in match.com I was in latin match so I was you know talking with uh, someone in Colombia then a guy from Peru and then he found me he was the one that found me because he loved latino girls <laughs> <laughs> then uh, well the same day that we met in the application, he we spoke over the phone, and that day we stopped to talk with anyone that we were talking, and wow. we were like this for about that was September, October, November, December, like for about three months, no, two months, and then he went to meet me in person, and basically in the time in five months we were married, and I was here, and you know what, I didn't have a visa. And the last place in the world that I wanted to come was here, not because I don't like the States, it's because it's very difficult, you know, and I like to go to places clean, like in a legal way, you know, I will never come and get a visa and stay here and then, you know, suffering with that. I respect whomever does it, but, you know, my, my thing was like, if I go there, I need to go legal. Yeah. So, and he had a special visa because he was an investor and, you know, God, I definitely, like you said, you know he works things out because with that visa I could get married and come here and all of that so we are 18 years together that's how I came here um I was not too much into being like have, have kids or even marriage before I met him so like you know how is our life it turned into things that we never expected um and we still love each other we are crazy about each other and we are like two teenagers we love to live life really Aww. yes yes and he was my rock when all the fertility journey came because i was the issue yeah that's a oh, little bit about me <laughs> oh that's lovely thanks for sharing yeah what a cool story so we were talking before right we from you're from colombia i'm from brazil so we have this in common we're like yes. neighbors latina neighbors <laughs> yes absolutely yes. Yes. south yes. america is a it's a part of the American continent that is amazing, you know? Yeah. Having Brazil there, like, is the only country that doesn't speak Spanish besides Guyana and Guyana, but it's still, it's, it's, I could understand, I can understand Portuguese, and, you know, we have that connection, connection. of Latin. Latin yeah. culture, yes. Yeah, absolutely. that's lovely. Yeah, I also have never been to Colombia, so it's on our list one day when we can travel again and go into to South America to visit. Oh, Brazil is in our list too because my yeah. husband was there in Rio. He was going crazy. He went like for two weeks and he said it's amazing. It is, yeah. yeah. It's worth a visit for sure. Later when things are more settled okay. for sure, yeah. Yes. Um, so let's go into your fertility journey. So how things started, when so you said your husband already had a child right from a previous marriage so when you when you guys decided 
to start trying? Was it more of a natural thing? Um, and what happened when it wasn't happening? And Thanks. let's go, yeah, let's go from there. Because I know you have lots to share in that aspect. Yeah, yeah. so, well, you know, like I was telling you, you know, before I met my husband, I was not too much into the idea of having children or marriage. And I tell you why, it's so funny because in... <laughs> I, I was seeing the world so upside down that I was thinking, why to bring a child to a world where I don't know if it's going to have future? And look at me now with two children and the world is worse than it was before. So that's what I say, you know, you don't plan things. I married my husband. When we met, he told me that he has a child. Daniela was one year and eight months when I came to her life. So, you know, she didn't live with us, but she visited us um, every other week and every Wednesday. So suddenly, you know, the fact that, and I, I got very close to her, she was like, you know, so cute. And I could see shy as a father with her and kind of woke up that thing. And I'm like, I, I want, you know, because it's hard to, for me, it was hard to every other weekend, leaving her, letting her go to her mother, of course. Yes. And then every Wednesday, I'm not having like that time to enjoy her full for me. So we wanted to definitely have our own children and we start just to try, you know, like everybody else, try, have it on the mind, but not making it an obsession, you know, because mm -hmm. when you make it an obsession, then sex becomes like a homework. Yeah. And when sex becomes like a burden or a homework, nobody can enjoy. So we tried. And of course, every month I was checking on my period because my period is very regular. Mm. So, but it still keep coming. So let's see, after about six months of trying, you know, I went to our gynecologist and, you know, he did all the blood regular tests of both of us. Of course, I was knowing that he has a child, so there is nothing wrong with him, but maybe something is happening with me. The doctor think it wasn't. And I, I was kind of thinking why, because you see, I come from a very big family. My mom's side, they were 18 kids, nine boys, nine girls, all from wow. the same dad and mom. And we are about 243 cousins. And oh all my, God. my yeah. That yeah, is insane. It. I it think my insane. I think my family is big and we're like 40 or something. Oh no, forget it. My all grandpa, together, yeah. My grandpa lived until 102 and he met my children. He oh, made his fifth generation because he's first, my mom is second, I'm third. Sorry, my fourth generation. Right. He made his fifth because my mom's older brother, he's already a great grandfather. So he met the, the oh, kids, whatever God. it is. That's yes. amazing. That's, I love that. So, you know, I was like kind of worried because I said, how come everybody can get pregnant and not me? Uh, but everything came okay. So then, you know, what is the routine? The doctor put me on Clomid and he said that he has no doubt that I'm going to get pregnant and maybe it's even twins because Clomid has that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But then another six, eight months and nothing happened. So I start to get kind of paranoid. And then he saw definitely. So we went to do an H, uh, HSG, an hysterosalpingogram to check now what happened. Maybe my tubes are blocked. And that's what happened. So then, you know, both of my tubes are blocked. He sent us to an RE, a very good doctor that in that time he was doing a IVF and he recommended very much. He was a little crazy, very disorganized, but I love him. 
And he told us, listen, be careful, you know, please. I almost quit. I was like with my husband, I cannot take him because he was like going there and waiting for four hours. But eventually as we met him, he was very kind and, uh, and professional. And then he was the one that says, listen, even though IVF could be, you know, the, the option for doing that, let's try to do laparoscopy to try to open at least one tube or two. We did two, nothing happened. Hmm. so then they, he realized he find out that this happened to me because of endometriosis and all the scar tissue and you know it's funny wow. nobody tell us about how we can check on our periods so my period was regular but they were like bloody as crazy like you know like every time I would change pad it was like a crime scene wow really and then what and I was always having terrible terrible painful periods that I do you know like I could even faint trust me from the pain yeah so that's a big symptom of endometriosis but I didn't know so what yeah, happened we just that? think it's normal because everyone says it's normal to have pain and you're bleeding and it's normal and it's normal and well it's, it's not normal. normal it's not normal a period supposed to be like with a normal cramp that you can deal with it not painful that is going to throw you in bed and cry the stomach doesn't supposed to be so bloated. So I had all of that. And he said, you know what? The endometriosis that you have was a stage three or four. So the scar tissue blocked totally the tubes. So our only option was IVF. So we did IVF with this doctor. And the first IVF was successful. Is my now 15-year-old daughter. And then, you know, kind of, again, I fall into, oh, it was successful. So next time, if we need to do IVF, we do and we're going to get pregnant. But again, I went into that and then second infertility happened again mm. because listen, in that time, which it was 15 years ago, nobody told us that we could freeze an embryo, that we could freeze eggs. We enter into the, no, no. And we enter yeah. into, yes. And we enter into this so new, we didn't know, you yeah. know, we were like, um, so we didn't even ask we, we could freeze and like I tell you the doctor was amazing but he had so many patients and he was like so dedicated to all of them at the same time that he probably forgot to tell us too so when we went to do the second in vitro with him too because of course how you are not going to do it if yeah. it was successful and you have that so what happened is that I got the, the, the cycle had to be canceled because for some reason, they gave me the wrong amount of medicine. It seems that they switched mm. charts with another patient. And then I go, oh, yeah. That's oh, when the, wow. this is when the nightmare started, when we wanted to try for our second child. So canceled, you know, I need to wait three months until all these medicines, you know, kind of clean up from the body. The okay. ovaries get it like this. He was very kind and he took, you know, of course we were upset, but he took responsibility and he said, you know, the okay. third cycle, we're going to do it, no charge, whatever. We did our third cycle with him, I think about four months later, you know, when my ovaries and I need yeah. to go through blood tests to make sure the hormones are low and all the medicine is gone. So was it over? Like they overstimulated you over-stimulated. too much? Oh too my much. God. My ovaries became like baloney, you know. Or sometimes it, sometimes it happens, but if it happens because they got like your chart confused, that that's is what it was. Not exactly fair. What it was. Oh my god! And and he found out because he changed nurse during our second cycle. The first nurse in the first cycle, she was amazing, but I think she has to leave or she got a better job, so he changed. 
and this nurse was kind I don't know I never had kind of a good vibes you know that you can feel the energy yeah so it was but because the family was him so we did so we jumped into our third cycle he took care of it I got pregnant uh, but unfortunately I developed something with my blood like clothing issue that I didn't know it was happening and at 39 weeks you know uh, Isabel was a stillbirth baby girl so I have to go and deliver her dead and um it was there was two blood clots in the umbilical cord so okay. you know it was obvious what happened there and then they do a test i think it was a phospholipid test and then it came positive blood clotting so you can imagine that was devastating it was that is terrible to crazy. go through the whole pregnancy and oh yes through the whole pregnancy she was a complete imagine. a complete complete baby so and the thing is that all of this you know, the financial uh, pressure, all the anxiety of the treatment itself, the fact that IVF is not warranty for no one, even trying mm -hmm. to conceive naturally is no warranty. Uh, the stillbirth, you know, the way that I, I grieve, the way that my husband grieved is completely different. So mm -hmm. a lot of judgments come into the plate. So I was crying, I was devastated, I wanted to die. And he just went back to work. Mm. And I'm like, is this guy? Don't, and don't get me wrong, he was in, with me in the hospital. We both cried. They brought the baby to me and I wanted to see it and he didn't want. And then I, when I started like, to, un to unfold the thing, because I want to make sure that she was complete, you know, like she mm. won. And he's like, don't do that. And I'm like, but I want to make sure she's complete. And he said, it's complete. Wrap my breast yes. with, you know, very, very tight to dry it. Um, so it's going through all the process, but you don't have a baby. So eventually we spoke with our RE. He get, I didn't want to do it with him again. Not because of him, it's just because of like this, you know, like I will not be able to go with the same doctor. Yeah. He recommended us a doctor. We went there a month and a half later. And he's telling, we are telling him the story and he's telling me that he don't think that I could do it because emotionally and all of that, forget it. I drilled both of them, him and my husband. So we went through another IVF for, and I got pregnant, but I miscarried at seven and a half weeks because, you know, and then, you know, what happened also is like the relationship with my husband started to kind of have cracks because yeah. you know, I'm judging him that he don't, he, he's, he don't care that he's not feeling anything. I just choose to go to work and he's creating a lot of issues between us. So all of that accumulating is not going to work in another cycle. Yeah. And then after the miscarriage, the relationship went even more down into the drain. We almost got divorced. You know, each of us, we have a lawyer. We almost got divorced. It was a nightmare. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, we, we love each other. Like I thought, I love him crazy. He loves me crazy. We came to kind of a terms to kind of reorganize our life as a couple and work on our relationship. You know, mm -hmm. and see, you know, focus on Daniela, my stepdaughter, and on Elia. Work on that for certain amount of time, and then we will decide if we will go for another IVF or not. And that's what we did for about a year. And then when we were kind of out of that pool of, you know, like crap and, and things that make our relationship so uh, harsh towards each other. So we decided that we're going to go for a last IVF and we said, whatever happens. So if yes, yes, if no, we, we're going to stay with what we have. Okay. And uh, we did it 
not with the doctor that did the last one. We actually found a clinic close to our house. And it was amazing. Now RMA bought this clinic um, and Maya was born. And when Maya born, Bianca, I kind of felt that, I, I kind of felt that she's the same baby that uh, Isabel, a different, uh. yeah, you know, I, I, they talk a lot about spirit babies. I am a firm believer of that. And I feel very strong that she came back in the right time because the other one was the wrong time. So it's like, so it helped me to heal uh, kind of completely. I cannot say completely because sometimes that that um, event of the loss of the baby comes and it doesn't, you know, it, it hurts. But, yeah. but somehow the fact that Maya came and I feel very strong that it's the same soul, same energy. So it helped me to heal. And That's all amazing. of this, all of what happened to me, to us, is what, you know, I was all over the place. You know, I worked with my husband for a while, but then, mm -hmm. you know, it, it doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it doesn't work no. working together, no? No, 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 it doesn't work. So, but then, you know, I start to do things here and there and there. And, and you know, one day he told me, you need to focus, you need to find what to do because, you know, it's like you are all over the place. And eventually, uh, Maya was probably a year and a half or two years. And I say, well, you know what? I went through all this help and there is so many out there. I didn't have the help that we have now. You know, there was no social media when I started. No Facebook, no Instagram. Yes, there was cell phone and, you know, I think there was my space, but that was totally different. It was focused on something different. Yeah. And I was not into it. So, but now is that, and then I start to seeing Facebook and, and, and you know, kind of search how many women are suffering from that. Say, so, you know what? I went through this health. I was alone. I felt defective. You felt, you know, I feel embarrassed, you know, because it's like, oh, I cannot get pregnant naturally. Something is wrong with me. Yeah. I didn't want to tell nobody. I told my husband, we are not telling. And then when I look now, I'm like, why? So this inspired me to do that. And listen, I love what I do. I really love this. Yeah. It's the worst club with the best members. That's what it, uh, one yes. of the girls says there. In the, in the, but it's so true. It is, and it is. I have met uh, amazing people. I wrote my book. I am now working on publishing the second one, but it's giving me so hard time because I can um, download the format to whatever they are. I'm hoping in May. <laughs> all oh, that's time. lovely. Oh, I'm happy to hear that you're working on the second one. That's very exciting. That one actually yeah. is a coloring book. It's just, you know, and it's a, a oh. bunch of sperms and eggs and embryos talking to each other, cartooning to color because... Yes. You know, this, this uh, journey is so absorbing, you know, and we get so, so stressful. Yeah. We get so obsessed with the baby that we even forget to have a good sex with our husband, really. Yes. Because it it's becomes a burden, you know, like it is. So true. So absolutely true. There's just so much to, to sort of dissect from your from your story. So I'm going to try and remember the little details and, and then maybe ask you some questions. Because um, I think it's yeah, every journey is so different. And there's always like a little something that I've never heard before. And the first thing that that comes to me is the fact that you didn't know that you could freeze eggs and embryos and I know that that you did this a while ago like 15 years ago but still they were already doing it and there was a fail of communication there 
but how how was your cycle like how many eggs did you have how many fertilized and they did they just transfer do they did they do a fresh transfer and then they just tossed the rest yes all my transfer was were fresh and you know what my doctor our doctor he was amazing because as, as we said the obsession you know becomes so so every time i will go to check the growing of the eggs I will ask him, Dr. Brandes was his last name. I will remember always. Uh, what do you think? Do you think I have possibility? Because you know it's normal. And he will be on it. He will say, listen, the, the eggs are growing amazing. You are responding amazing to the, to, to the stimulation. I really don't see why not, but I cannot, you know, I cannot assure you, but I don't yeah. see why not. I'm sure it will work. And I don't know what somehow he's, believe and affirmation i think it helped to the cycle i had a great i had a great quality of eggs i'm telling you i think we retrieved 34 wow that thir- yes from that the first one from that 34 14 fertilized and i think we end up with about seven we transferred four and he never told us that we could freeze the other embryos so wow, we were so the all, other like three said, were just wasted exactly exactly crazy to very me. crazy very crazy it's super crazy bianca is super crazy and i go back on that time and i say i would have i will not have the need to go through all of this but again you see the what if is something i learned even from my doesn't count because it didn't happen. So yeah. things happen the way it's supposed to happen for whatever reason it was. And the reason is this, I'm here today. The reason is, listen, I am a firm believer too of karma. Everything that we humans do, good and bad, comes back to us. I believe that, I feel it. So I think that somehow, I always said, you know, maybe the fact that I didn't want to have kids in the beginning because I thought that the world was so upside down. So boom, you know, look look what it is to have that pain, you know. I always try to find the answers on things that can help me to don't feel like crap because we don't, you know, yeah, we why need to feel guilty? No, guilty. What happens is that all what we do comes back to us. You are good, but me multiply, you receive good things. We do some crappy things and monkey business or whatever. Something happened that is gonna flow out and comes out. And this is in general. So yes, I didn't know the frozen of the embryos. And trust me, I was so upset because you know when we knew? It's funny. We knew when I did my fourth cycle, the miscarriage after the after the um, my stillbirth because the RMA is a huge clinic. So they told us, you know, like, God willing, if you get this quantity, you know, you can freeze some. But in that one, I got, I think, nine and five uh, fertilized. And we transferred four because the last one stopped to grow. So in that mm-hmm. one. But then with Maya, we got a, a good one too. I think we got 14 seven fertilized we transferred three because the doctor says this time i'm not letting you transfer four i they are very good quality and then the other ones uh, we froze the embryos okay so you technically still have do you still have the embryos frozen no 
they were taken care of. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it's interesting that you, how it, how the approach and the communication was so different from doctor to doctor, from clinic to clinic. And like you said, it just all brought you where you are yes. today. Yeah. And I tell you something, I'm going to be uh, very open with you um, regarding the embryos that we froze and then we don't have. Um, as a fertility coach, of course, you know, I am here to support a, any couple women and a couple, I don't say couple men and woman. For me is men and women, 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 men, men, and especially for same sex, same sex couples. I know that it's even harder. I know how hard can be for both sides because, you know, when you have two males, they need to go through, not only through IVF, but to find a good surrogate, a good candidate. And then for ladies, they go through the sperm side. And, and you know, it's, um, I am I'm supporting adoption. Uh, I support, of course, egg donor. You know, I admire from my, you know, from my soul and heart, a woman and a man that do embryo donation. I know, me too. My hat's off to to it's, everyone that has that and the surrogates as well oh my gosh oh my God. yes this is this is an incredible like this is something that got to all these people you know and the universe they're gonna get rewarded because that's mm -hmm. what it is however when you know and and when we we had our embryos frozen for about three years mm -hmm. uh, four of them excellent quality but and you know the the clinic always call us every quarter uh, because you need to pay for every quarter. Uh, listen, uh, Miss Vivas, I want you to, under, to to maybe talk with your husband and they, they talk to us. Uh, there is the option of a donor and some clinics pay very good, Bianca. I'm not going to say, you know, but mm. very good. And they will tell us because of course they are also, is their work to try to find these four couples that they are really in the situation that the egg reserve is done or whatever. So we spoke with my husband a few times and then, you know, when I was turning almost 45, he said, listen, we need to decide. Do you want to have another baby because we have the, uh, or, or, or not? And then, you know, I'm thinking, I say, listen, baby, you know, I'm 45, 10 years from now, I'm 55. If we have babies 10 years and God forbid, you know, our age, we age, yes? And he says, so no, what about the donor? And I say, it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's my mind. It's it's very personal. Yeah. I was, and then he, and then I told him, "What if? Okay, we give." I will be thinking all my life that I have a little Maya or a little Elia, and 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 the fact that I don't know how chill he's been treated is gonna drill my brain. It's gonna make me crazy. It's gonna create a mental health issue for sure. Mm. And he's like, "Oh, I didn't thought about that." And then he he thought, and he said, "You right." That was our reason. Yeah. And, you know, we did a ceremony with our rabbi, but that was it. And you know what? You are the first one that hears about this. So I don't know, really the first one, because for me, it's a little hard. And why it's hard to share that? Because I don't want to be judged. Yeah. And you know how, how hard it could be. Oh, you are a first. I'm going to be very honest with you. Oh, you are a fertility coach, but and you promote this and you didn't give them. Well, I need you to hear my reasons why I didn't do it yeah and for me it makes sense and i am one person that to all my clients i tell them 
I can advise you the best of me because I walk this path and I can tell you what could be good. I'm not a doctor, so no medical advice. But it, in the end, you decide what you can take from what I can offer you from the coaching and what your inner voice is gonna tell you, I don't want to do this. I don't feel it right. And that is the voice that ultimately you need to listen because that's the one, that is the one. Yes, I'm yeah. here to help you. I can, you know, emotionally give you advice, support you, may, maybe make you think, oh, wow, you're right. You know, that's, I supposed to do that. I didn't thought about it. But in the end, you take what is good, what you think is gonna work, and while it doesn't work, you follow your inner voice. And that's what we did with, uh, with our families. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're all different people. And it doesn't matter your profession and how you're helping people. Like you said, you know, coaching them through a path, but you're not deciding anything from for them. But in the end of the day, like you're a person that will have your feelings. And of course, you and your husband together that made the decision. And yeah. I agree, like anything that we do in this journey should should not be judged. No. Like there's no right or wrong. There's no decision. Like even before, I know I don't want to get too much into the vaccine topic because it's also a very hot topic. Yes. But we were talking, we were talking before the recording, and I've been talking to some people because now here in Canada, I shared with you just this weekend, they approved pregnancy um, is a risk factor. So they we are on the list to get vaccinated. So I've been talking a lot to people and we're like, okay, this decision is so hard. Mm-hmm. It's an, it's an impossible decision. It's just like with the embryos, what do you do? There's no right or wrong. It's either way is painful it is. and it's scary, but I find my personal experiences when you sit with something that's really challenging like these two things that we're talking about, do I take the vaccine or not? Do I donate or do um, we put those, just take the embryos um, out of the freezer? Those are decisions that when you sit with it, there's the scale always tips a little bit one way when you really dig into your feelings. Yes. Right. So, so yeah, like with the vaccine, for example, if I'm uh, sharing that example for myself, I had to sit and think how guilty I would feel if something went wrong. Right. With myself or the baby. That was the question with our embryos. Yeah. So will I be, yeah, will I be more guilty if I take the vaccine, something goes wrong? Or if I don't take the vaccine and catch COVID and something goes wrong. And again, there's no right or wrong answer. It just, it is what comes to you. And like you said, your inner voice and whatever you want to call it, you know, the energy, the universe, whatever it is, your gut feeling, your sixth sense, like there's so many (laughs) words that we can call that, whatever brings you to that, to tip the scale. And I think we suffer so much with decisions like that for too long. Because we don't take the time to sit with it. It's painful to sit with those thoughts, right? Uh, Bianca, tell me about it. It is very painful. And uh, as you say, there is no right or or wrong. Yes, you you, you mentioned that. And for example, in in, in infertility, in our journeys, you see, um, I am not a pro-abortion person. And I give you, why I'm telling you this is an example also that relates to that. Uh, However, 
I know that there is certain situations in which a pregnancy needs to be terminated. It's the health of the woman. A woman is in a very high risk of, and the doctor can tell you, okay, they told my mom, for example, she was very, very stubborn because the belief systems that we have in different cultures, they, they are such based on fears, mm. on terrible fears. So there is a bunch of people outside there dying to have a baby. But at the same time, if a woman gets pregnant and she is taking certain medicine, Robacutan, whatever, for the acne, this is a very strong, strong medicine. And it's well known and it has been researched that a woman that gets pregnant by taking the medication, the kid is going to born with very big issues. So in that case, if it will be me, I will terminate the pregnancy because um, I don't want to have a child that his life is going to be a burden. And then if I have a child already too, how I'm going to all my time and time dedicated to only one I'm going to put this aside. So you need to evaluate everything. Everything. And we have to allow the one person and the individual to make that that decision. And that's what and that's what you do as a as a coach, right? As a fertility Absolutely. coach. Yeah. Absolutely. And trust me, as a coach, I need a coach too. Because sometimes, yes. you know, our own lives goes like we need coach, we need therapy, we need it all. Absolutely. All. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Can we go back again? I know that it, that it's tough, the, the topic of loss, but it is, it's out there. So many people are going through it. And can you give us just a little bit more insight in, um, I know you said ultimately when you had your, your child, when you had Maya, that was your ultimate healing. But before that, I know you and your husband had a different approaches um, and there was no social media, which is tough as well when you don't have anyone to share with. And like you said, the guilt, the embarrassment, everything surrounding the infertility. But what else can you share with us for someone that's listening to us that maybe went through a loss or that they're maybe very fearful of loss and having a stillborn child? What are any insights that you can share with us? Yes, of course, Bianca. So there is one thing that I, you know, anyone that is, has gone through any loss is going to learn because it's, it's going to happen if, if it already happened, is there. Number one, a loss is a loss, and especially infertility, right? So for a woman that has a miscarriage at seven and a half weeks, uh, that, that she is going to talk about that baby as if it was one complete, it's absolutely okay. There is no term for loss, especially when we are walking through the path of being parents, and especially for us women that are the ones that carry and have that a stronger connection because we are really carrying it's a connection it's a true connection even when there is an egg donor and a woman that is carrying an embryo that it doesn't belong genetically to her once the umbilical cord is there there is connection so the number one thing to understand is a loss is a loss yes the loss becomes harder as time passes. so your loss at seven and a half weeks is crazy painful for you but a loss at 39 weeks like me is insanely painful. So imagine the loss of a parent that loses a child at five years old, at 18, at 40. So 
but the, the, the thing that I always make point is that a loss is a loss because look at this. When you lose your parents, you are orphaned. They call you orphan because you lose your parents. You lose your wife or husband, they're going to call you widow or widower. But when a woman loses a child, and again, no matter what time, what stage, what is the name for that? There is no name. No. There's no name. So I'm going to have a woman that is crying a loss of seven weeks, the same way that a woman that is crying a loss of 18 years or a stillbirth. Pain is unbearable, no matter what. Once we are there and we know that a loss is a loss, infertility journey, then we start to grieve and we don't even know when we are grieving. We are grieving right when we are crying. We are grieving when we don't want to leave. We are grieving when we don't want to feel that pain. I'm not going to lie to you, Bianca. I thought about taking my life. There is no lies on that. And I had my husband and I had my five-year-old first IVF. She was five in the time. I had my mom with me. Our community, because we are Jewish, so our shul and people came every day. We have to tell them to stop to bring us, bring us food because they were every day here. They will sit with us and they will tell us, I'm sorry. But then they will try to talk to us about other subjects but the loss. Mm-hmm. And, and, and make sure that we don't ask why this happened because it's godly and one day we will know. So I had a lot of support. But at the same time, that pain is crazy. So all what we are feeling is absolutely authentic. And like you said before, there is no right or no wrong. And you're going to have issues with your partner. It doesn't matter if it is your husband or wife, wife, or, or men, men. Why? Because in any relationship, you have the stronger one, the one that has a little bit of more testosterone. And again, this is nothing to do with same-sex couple mm-hmm. and the one that is more emotional. So in any kind of relationship, same-sex or heterosexual, that they have gone through a loss, you're always going to have your stronger part maybe not showing too much vulnerability. And it's not because they mean they, they are doing it in purpose. It's the opposite. It's because they want to show support and strength to you. But we don't see it. And that's what happened with my husband. We don't see it. The guy was crying himself out in a restaurant where they love him very much. And he got drunk like crazy because he couldn't cry in front of me as he thought that maybe by doing that, he's going to drag me down more in the dark. And I never even felt like, yeah, he felt like he had to be the rock for you. And meanwhile, you're thinking, what is this rock doing here? Why is he not falling apart like me? Exactly. So, you know, it's so much different languages. So all of this is part of the grief. Yeah. And we, there is nothing we can do to control it. I wish I could control my emotions and block them and don't feel that pain. We always wish that, but there is nothing we can do to control that. So grieving is the denial. Oh, denial is part of it. You know, when I had Mm -hmm. that and I went to sleep, they put me on some medication because of course we are mentally crazy. Like we are in this, and I will wake up knowing, I will wake up knowing that I'm waking up to not baby. Yeah. I wish, you know, like I was wishing, please, I want to wake up and that be a nightmare. That's denial. It's part of the grieving mm-hmm. and then the crying and then the emotional part. And I tell you, some people, I will never, ever judge anyone that after a loss of a son or a daughter, if they, you have seen it, we have seen it, parents that take their own life because they cannot deal with that thing. Yeah. I will never, ever judge them because you know what, ultimately, 
that was their decision to end up that pain. It's selfish? Absolutely it's selfish. I've been there. When I, when I thought about it and I went to look, it's funny, that is funny, I tell you, it always makes me laugh for some reason, but when I went to look for ways to do it, that oh, I will wow. not that I will not feel physical pain because I'm scared to death from physical pain. I cut with a paper. I'm like, you know. <laughs> I went to look for all the ways and every single way have something, even taking a bunch of pills. So the only way that I found that it was not painful was not legal. And then my mind goes to analyze. Okay, so what if I get there and I find what I need and then I go and do it and then I'm halfway. Oh, that's being good. Yeah. really so then in jail with pain and, and tied up probably because I just, so that was what stopped me yeah I was selfish because the fact that I thought about it I didn't even think about my five-year-old my that's how much pain you're in it's unbelievable yeah. that is the pain and a lot of people even not walking a fertility journey I always say people that commit suicide it's people that have so much pain yeah. But so much pain that only them understand it. So to judge them is not the right thing. Yes, it's selfish, yes, but you are not in the in the shoes of that person to see yeah. what was the pain that you or him she was going through. That's so that, so true. That also was part of my of my grieving and my healing. But again, you know, each of us go through that. And the best advice that I can say when someone is going through that, because I've been there, is, you know what? If you have to cry, cry. Yeah. Cry all the freaking tears, because when, and you're gonna feel, eventually they're gonna stop. And when you stop, it's like you are forcing yourself to feel more. When you are in that stage of forcing yourself to feel more pain, is when you are starting to heal. Because somehow it's like you are, it's, it's like, it's a human thing. We like sometimes to suffer, you know, have you seen that? Sometimes we are like so masochist. Yeah. Looking for things to, yes. to make us feel pain and suffer. And, exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's a very weird thing that humans we have. So when we are kind of forcing it is when you are healing. And one thing I also suggest to anyone going through loss is that if you have support from family and community, analyze the support. I know that when we are emotionally wrecked, we don't analyze, but we are analyzing. And I tell you why. In all these people that came to our, um, when we lost the baby, we don't see Shiva because she was not alive for 30 days. In Judaism, after 30, a person needs to be like, live 30 days okay. to do a Shiva and sit, but still with its ceremony. So they came, and I remember that there was this, a great friend of mine but she came and suddenly Bianca she started to cry much more than I was crying mm. and I kind of felt that dragging back into the dark 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 I went out and I told my husband I need you to tell her to leave mm-hmm. you, you know he told me this is I say because I I have pain it's my child but she is like it hurts and that is dragging me to a very bad place I don't want that I want people to talk to me tell me I'm sorry but take me out of that and he told her and he told yeah so sometimes there is people that come and tell you I'm sorry we just need that Bianca I realize that 
when I go to someone that has lost someone or someone died that is our friend, I don't like to enter into conversations. I just go and I tell him, listen, I'm so sorry for your loss. And, and you know, that's the only thing, I'm sorry. What yeah. say that it's going to fix the pain? Nothing. Nothing. At least if he's talking about some subject, I can jump into the subject and turn it through another way. Yes, so that is you can advice. guide you can guide the conversation however it's you want to. But if someone is falling apart more than you are, then, oh, then you have thing. to manage the situation. And yeah, I can imagine how awkward that is. So the, is. I th- I guess the advice would be like don't feel bad if you need to tell someone or ask your husband to tell someone that this is not the time Welcome. to be here and thanks for coming but you know we're gonna retire for the day and that yes. kind of thing so respect your feelings even if it's someone close to you even if it's your mom you need yeah. to be honest and say it the same when we are walking a fertility journey i always said we need to feel our feelings if if i am having issues getting pregnant and i receive from my sister a card for a baby shower because she's pregnant it's absolutely okay for me to say no i'm not gonna go because that is a trigger for me i love you i send you the press and you are my sister but it's okay to say no yes we must take care of our feelings because when especially walking this path because it's so much triggerings that we need to protect ourselves and then when we feel that we can handle them that inner voice is gonna tell us and then we can handle And I was just going to go back to the advice of the relationship as well, how you were talking about how sometimes we don't understand how the other person deals with the pain and how they're troubleshooting how to support you and and vice versa. That goes for any situation in life, obviously, any struggle, but any part of the journey, right, of the fertility journey, because I see a lot of people you know, I don't know, just as an example, the woman starts doing the injections and the husband is just sitting there. We get hormonal and we cry and the husband doesn't understand and say, oh, my husband doesn't get it or he doesn't take it seriously. But it's sometimes the way that they're coping with it, right? I remember my husband, um, we had a lot of trouble too. I think after our first round of IVF, we had three transfers that didn't work. And there were talks of us, you know, just going our separate ways because the stress was so big it wasn't for any specific reason it was just I think a build-up of just both of us being scared and sad and stressed out and the financial burden and all that but then when we sat and we talked and he shared one time that you know it's it's hard for me to to see you suffering and going through all this and I don't know how, what to do or what to say. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, like you said, you know, I'm thinking like, you're just an idiot asshole. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Just get yourself together and yes. help me. But everyone has their own ways and their yes. own doubts and insecurities about like how to, what to say, how to help the other, you know, that they love so much and they see suffering. So I think what you said was like such good advice for any part of the, of this journey, no matter where you are. It is, it is. And you know, one of the things that even before, before our now podcast, I was uh, on a coaching call 
mm-hmm. with another lady in Canada. Amazing. She's a mm-hmm. nurse. She actually has an explaining fertility. Everything seems okay. So one of the things I told her is like, how is your relationship with your husband? Is this creating issues? So she kind of opened up and she says, it's too much information. I say, with me, there is not too much information because I'm going to, you know, also give you too much information on how to do it. Mm-hmm. One of the things I learned is that my husband used to put me all the injections because I'm scared to death from a little needle or whatever. Yeah, my husband did that too. I was like there and the progesterone, the oil ones in the bath, all oh, that one's the more painful. I even fainted a few times on him. Um, but yes, it comes a time that because let's let's put it in this way. There is this book, the, the women is from Venus and men is from Mars. Mars. Uh, yeah, so I yeah. think okay, that's a it's an old book, but it's so true because they describe each of us how we are. Mm-hmm. And men, uh, this is nothing to do with where men is from, the country, the color of skin, the religion. Men, I'm talking men in general. Men has been growing up from ancient times with that machoistic thing that is coming from generations before. So a man cannot cry because boys don't cry. Uh, A man is the provider, which is true. Yes, the Bible says, the Torah says the provider and the woman is the holder of the family. But because of all of that, it's coming with more belief systems and beliefs that they are just putting them in a place like, oh, a boy cannot cry. That's the most ridiculous thing ever. A man mm-hmm. can cry, they have a heart, they feel. So they have been like putting in this bubble that you need to be the strong one, you need to be this, you need to be that. No. And you know what? Because of all of that is why also there is this crazy extreme things that happen in our world. Feminism. It is a crazy feminism, but to the extreme that you're going to hate men. You know, they cannot do nothing without us. We are here together to to build up and to, you know, help each other and, you know, see, you know, I can see through, through, I learned from my husband that he was vulnerable, the guy vulnerable, like, so when you see that your husband is maybe sitting there and you want help and you are, tell him, tell him, yeah, why are we so scared to, to say that we, that we need help and, Yeah, yeah, that is, yeah, I totally agree. So if you think that, say to yourself, you know what, let me evaluate. Maybe he's not an asshole. I'm going to (laughs) check. So baby, you know what, I want you to put the injection today and then judge by the action. And then you have a place from where to start a communication. If he's going to tell you, oh, I'm scared. Okay, so you know he's scared. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, it's just stories in our mind about yes. the other person with yes. no facts to support it whatsoever. Yeah, totally. That's, that's what you say. That is what it is. We make stories and then we the, tra- the traumas that we have is that it's the stories that we get stuck up there. And with, it's our choice. Yeah. It's our choice to suffer and stay stuck suffer. Yes, pain exists. I'm not saying no. Pain exists. We have yeah. to feel it. But to be stuck in pain and suffering, that's a choice, mommy. It's, it's not, there's no other way. Yeah. We, we choose to suffer. 
Yeah. That's and that's why I think the coaching, the talking, the sharing, finding people that can support you, whether it's around you, your friends, your family, or on social media, so many communities and people that are sharing there. If you feel like you don't want to share with the people that are around you, you need to have some sort of support for you to, to talk about. Yeah. Let's go. Um, we're approaching the end now. I want to hear a bit about your, um, so your first book, and how that came about and how that happened. And then we'll just, yeah, wrap it up with your um, social media and all that. Perfect. So my first book is named The IBF Planner. And it came also from my own journey in the sense of that, you know, how is IBF? You know, you have numbers for your blood, the growth of your So much information. information. (laughs) And then I used to put it in little papers, you know, so, okay, and then we'll come to office, put the paper somewhere, then the paper is lost, and I'm like, it's another stress adding to my thing. Where is the paper? Or the beta test, you know, the beta needs to triplicate every three days. So one day I said to myself, "Ah, forget it. I have all my paper lost. Eventually I asked for the records and I got them somewhere. (laughs) But then I say, we we need to have something and then I can tell my kids one day look this is all what it did and you came from this so I create the IBF journal in the IBF planner in which I tell my story I you know there is a little bit of introduction of what IBF is how you can freeze the embryos all what I didn't know all what you know I learned and there is charts for your medical records for your beta test for your size of your eggs. It has a guide for the taxation in the States. Uh, It has a a guide for taxation. It's more one in other countries because it's based on their own law. It has a chapter for the whole two week wait and each day has a mandala to color because I use heart therapy during my two week wait, especially this is the more crucial time you know you are always what if what if what if because you you know you are pregnant but you know you don't know if it's going to work it's so So hard so hard i have that um i have acronyms a dictionary it's about 127 pages i have multiple cycles chapter i have a chapter for if you have a big big fat positive and then what is the next steps to try to keep your pregnancy you know to the end then what happened when your cycle came with negative, what to do, meditations. It's all in a little book that you can have as an organization. So you can take it with you all the time. It fits in a pocketbook. And it came from that, you know. So And I, I'm happy because most people that have had it, they have reviewed it good. They like it. They find it easy to handle, easy to understand. And like I told you in the beginning, my coloring book, which is specifically only coloring, that yeah. is all related to fertility. It calls ranting doodles, ranting grant, you know, all yeah. this and doodles, mm-hmm. like, get it out. I hope that uh, the second or third week of May, it's going to be ready for launching. Lovely. Yeah. So we can, you can post that and we can share it as well. Yes. That's nice. Monica, it's so fun to talk to you. And I know that these are hard topics, but you make it feel so like just human. And it is something that so many people are going through. And yeah, I'm happy that you're out there helping all these folks that are going through this journey because it's not easy but you have such an uplifting way to tell your story and and the insights that you that you give us to to troubleshoot things so thank you so much I really really appreciate you being here
No, no, no. Thank you, Bianca. And you know, like you said, if people wants to look for a coach, I always offer a 45 yes. minute discovery call. No charge. Yes. Tell us how they can find you and your Instagram handle and website and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I have my Instagram, which is the most active of all is at my name, Monica Vivas, because it's the easiest way to people know what is my name and know what I do. Yeah. Uh, my website is www.monicabivas.com. I have a Facebook group that calls the IBF journey. And my Facebook page, which is Monica Viva's Mindset and Holistic Fertility Coach. That's basically what I have LinkedIn, but uh, and Pinterest. But this is something that my VA and my other girl help me because I like to put the blogs, so it goes the blog post to people. But if you want personally to get in touch with me, the easiest is Instagram and email and the, the website. And like I tell you, I have a forty-five minute discovery call to anyone that want to see if I am a fit for their coaching because this is something I always say I am the missing piece between the clinic and the patient clinics they are starting now to involve a little bit yoga and coaching but it was not like that before and still there is a long way to go so yes you go to your clinic but if you feel sad if you feel that you are like want to explode if you feel that you need someone to guide you they don't have that so I'm here and that's why the discovery call is for that so they can see that I am a fit if not I always refer them to someone that I know mm-hmm. that they can find the help because for me there is no competition in this niche there is collaborations a team we all want everyone to to feel good and you're right you have to it's just it's like therapy right you have to be with someone that you're comfortable and you identify and relate with and yeah that's that's lovely 45 minute consultation a get to know get to know each other consultation yeah yes they can shoot me a dm or or email and i send them the calendar link and they just um you know schedule it there lovely that's great thanks for um, letting us know we'll have all of those details on the episode notes so everyone can can check out and find you and follow you so thank you again for being here and we'll be in touch we'll see you yes absolutely thank you so much darling This podcast wouldn't be up and running if it wasn't for the help of a few very special people. You can find my special thanks to them all at myfertilityjourney.ca. And if you want to keep in touch, find me on Instagram on at myfertilityjourney.ca. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, leave a review to support the show and share it with anyone you think might benefit from it. Love you all and I'll see you soon.